the nature of your emergency. Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bolton, joined by Detective Bolton. How are you? I'm good. He just gave me a wink. Mm-hmm. Man, wearing contacts sucks sometimes. I know. I feel your pain. <laughs> I have this. I can't tell now if it's a cold or if it's allergies or what, but I came home from Michigan with something and I've trashed two pairs of contacts in the past couple of days. They're supposed to last like two weeks each. Yeah. But anytime I have something going on like that, my eyes are like, nope, don't put anything in me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I get it. I, I completely, completely get it. But it's so uncomfortable wearing glasses. And I am i don't know if I'll ever be comfortable with the whole laser eye surgery thing. So that's just me venting this morning. <laughs> Definitely not what we're talking about today. We're talking about pedophiles today. Dun, dun. I've titled today's episode, The Perils of Amateur Pedophile Hunters, A Law Enforcement Perspective. I do have to give that disclaimer that today's episode is in no way indicative of the views or opinions of my husband's police department. This is just us talking, two people, husband, wife, sharing thoughts about this topic. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there are many channels on TikTok and YouTube that um, there will be these amateur individuals that will create minor decoys, fake profiles online, pretending to be minors, trying to capture the attention of um, these pedophiles, people that are just predatoring online, looking to talk to your children. And Clint, you have years of experience in doing this professionally now. And a lot of the times we have talked about how dangerous it is for these amateur pedophile hunters to do what they're doing. And I have watched them. It's it's very much like um, To Catch a Predator, right? We all remember that show and the reasons why it ended. <laughs> and it's entertaining to watch they're usually young young guys going and meeting up with these men who thought that they were meeting up with a young child and they're recording it and usually it's live and usually they're getting likes and views and they're monetizing this content and that's the whole reason why they do it, right? To make money. We would like to think that they're doing it to get these people off of the streets, but that isn't because if it was, then you know it would be like Clint who does it without um, getting the views and the likes and trying to monetize off of a social media channel. And... Clint, I have seen you on these these amateur pedophile channels as the responding officer when they they end up calling law enforcement to come out. And it is. It's entertaining. I completely understand why people watch it. It is also very dangerous. And I want to talk about two nuances of this. The first being the fact that these these are amateur people going out into usually an unknown city in an unknown area, meeting up with a complete stranger themselves. Who knows if they're armed or not? I would hope that they would be. However, if they were, even that could get them in a lot of trouble, right, for for baiting somebody in that way. And then if something goes south. So we could talk about the physical dangers that they're putting themselves in. But most importantly, something that nobody knows is that typically these amateur, amateur pedophile hunters are going out. They are putting together, I'm putting in air quotes, a case against these individuals, these pedophiles, and they're doing it in such a sloppy, unprofessional, and uneducated way that a lot of the times these men go right back to doing the same thing that they were doing within days. So, Clint, let's talk about this. So, it's such a such a problem that we're seeing more and more of these vigilante groups going out and 
trying to detain these guys and then they call for police to to come out and then they they make this negative aspect on police for not arresting these guys when they say well we have all the evidence there it's it's everything's presented to them at that moment and the reality is is it's not like they give us bits and pieces of conversations they they yeah the the base value of it they said they were meeting up with a 12 year old or 13 year old and they were meeting them to have sex but there's so much more to just to having an arrest on that than just the initial act like you had to have the conversations there's entrapment you got to figure out there's there's the, okay, who's my witnesses? Who's going to be responsible for going to testify in court? Where's all my hard evidence showing this conversation from start to finish? We can't take bits and pieces, just like when we do these investigations. Investigations, I can't take just a fraction of my conversation and give it to the district attorney's office and expect them to file it. Like, they need everything from that initial hello to... Where are you at? Like that is kind of the the whole conversation you need from start start A to to Z, and these conversations don't happen just within an hour period or a two hour period. Like they, they happen over days, over weeks, over months, and if you're not providing that full conversation, there could be keys and in, in into that to say well. You, you said you were 18 initially, and then at the very end, right before you met, you said you were 13 when the guy pulled up. Like, and and that, those instances do happen. So, one, it puts their own safety in jeopardy, the, the bad guy's safety in jeopardy, the vigilante groups, and the officers responding. Because as time's progressing, you're seeing this, these instances turn into more and more violent situations because these guys have nothing to lose at that point. If they know they're getting arrested, they could do anything and everything to try to get away or to end it. Like I've seen guys kill themselves. I've, I haven't personally seen that. I got to throw that out there, but I've know of guys who've, they've killed themselves uh, a few years back. Florida FBI was serving a search warrant on a child pornography investigation and the guy killed two FBI agents and then himself. Like these are very violent criminals who are doing this stuff. And if you don't have safety precautions set in place, then it's, you're opening yourself up to get injured or killed. And so the last point I want to make is they're not providing this evidence and then it requires us as officers to go out to get try getting everything we can for it. And then the DA is not filing it because not all the evidence is there. But besides all that is when law enforcement tries to proactively and do these types of investigations where they do it following the federal guidelines and the state guidelines issued for this, it deters people who are these true predators from wanting to communicate online with it or they're transitioning into different platforms to where they're being smarter in how they're doing it instead of just willingly going to meet up. I'm so glad that you brought that topic up because that's what the next talking point 
um, that had come up for me was going to be is that when you have these amateur pedophile hunters going out there, you are literally educating these pedophiles on the things that the behavior that they shouldn't shouldn't be con- doing in terms of the tactics that they're using when they're trying to to reel in and um, to groom these young children. And I'm also thinking about I have watched so many of these and I'm, and it's usually the ones where I think you might show up. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about how many times I have seen these amateur pedophile hunters approach this the uh, pedophile that they've been communicating with online and they make it known that, you know, hi, it's really me that you are talking to, not that 12-year-old girl. And they present themselves like they are law enforcement. I have heard them use the word detain before. I have seen them, um, several of them, like trap these men in these corners. And it's as though they are pretending to be police officers. And I am very curious to, you know, I, I should probably further look into this as to whether or not any of them have ever been um, charged with impersonating a police officer. From my recollection, I'm, I'm sure they have identified themselves in those instances, but for the, the ones that I've actually had my hand in, they're they're not identifying, they're using those words. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean, giving but, the impression that... But they're not... So the requirement for for impersonating a, a police officer is you have to identify yourself as a police officer, even though you're using those words like detention or detained or arrest or whatever it may be. Like security can utilize those words too. Like unless they specifically say, "Hey, I'm with the police department. You're under arrest," then or they're wearing a uniform or they're and doing that's the thing like too, that. right? They yeah. they do they give the impression that they're they go out there they're wearing all black like they they look like they belong together, right? Like they're a, some kind of hotshot unit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very interesting. So I think this is just information that, you know, of course we want this work done, but there are professionals that are doing this work. And if you yourself are involved in work like this, I think the best thing that you could do is to try to do it professionally. You already have some experience in it. I think that would be incredible to have an endeavor that way. Although it's probably a lot easier to make that cash, you know, just posting shit like this up on YouTube and doing it when you want to instead of having the credibility behind you, which um, it sucks. But that's the whole reason why we are recording today's episode. So I hope you've gotten some value out of today's episode. If you have, do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And as always, know that I'm sending you a long, tight hug from my home to yours.